Well, good morning. How y'all doing today? Hope you enjoyed that scene from one of my favorite Christmas movies. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But uh, so glad that y'all are here. And um, we're, we're beginning our new series today about uh, Christmas and, and, and uh, the coming of Jesus to earth. And, and we're calling it The Gift. And, and today we're going to talk about uh, some, uh, some different parts about that. And before, before we jump into what we're going to talk about specifically today, I just want to take just a minute and and, and let you know why we do this every year. I mean, obviously Christmas is a big deal. Uh, you know, you, you go around, it's, it's all over the place. But the reason we focus on it here at church is um, not because it's just a big deal and because a lot of people go shopping and stuff, but because of the fact that what Christmas really means is that it, it means that, that God came to earth in the form of a human being. And so... If you're here today and, and you have like all kinds of church background and you know the Bible backwards and forwards or if you don't have any and, and, and you're here for the first time and you're just trying to figure out what Jesus is all about, the thing that we all need to remember is, is that when Jesus Christ was on earth, he was fully God, he was still just as much God as he was when he was in heaven, but he was also fully human being. And so when he got cut, he bled. When he ran too far, he got out of breath. He got hungry when he didn't have something to eat. He could overeat and feel like he needed to unbutton his britches. All of those things, just like we experience, he experienced those. And even greater than that is one of the things the Scripture tells us is that that he was tempted in every way that we're tempted. So that when you are tempted to do something that is against the teachings of Scripture, Jesus faced those same temptations with one gigantic difference, he never gave in to sin, where the scripture tells us that every single one of us did. And so the reason we'll take three or four Sundays here the next few weeks, and the reason we do this every year, is not just because we feel like we have to, but we do this because of the fact that Jesus coming to earth in the form of a, of a human being, and, and being God on earth, being God with us, Emmanuel, like the scripture says, that is, I think, the greatest miracle, probably second only, probably the only greater miracle than that is what Jesus did on the cross and through the resurrection. But of course, those things would not have happened without him being born to begin with. But Jesus coming to earth is an amazing miracle. And here's a free theology lesson for today. If you've always wanted to go take a theology class, here's a free one right here. What the, what the fancy word for that, that theologians call that, is the incarnation. The incarnation that Jesus came to earth and he was God incarnate is what they say here on earth with us. And so what I don't want us to do this Christmas season, uh, whether, you know, whether we get caught up in this or that, I don't want us to ever lose the, the, the wonder and the amazement of the fact that when that night in Bethlehem in the manger stable and shepherds and all that good stuff that we talk about and all that gives us those warm and fuzzy feelings. I don't want us to ever lose the truth of the fact that that was God himself on earth and that God took a step to, to bridge the gap between heaven and earth and to become very, very personal to us. And so, uh, so I just wanted to be sure that, that we understand why this is so important, why we do uh, what we do every year around Christmas time. We're talking about the gift, and, and today we're going to talk about the unexpected gift. 
Um, and uh, so that, that's kind of where we're going today. If you want to write that in your notes at the top of your page there, and that's the title of what we're talking about, The Unexpected Gift. And, and I, I don't know about you, but it, it, you can probably think back to, to Christmas's past in your life, and, and uh, I believe that a lot of times the gifts that we appreciate the most are the ones that we didn't see coming. You know, I think most of the time for us, if, if we're honest, even when we were kids, and, and probably with our kids, what we do is they, they give us a list, and they pretty much know they're getting about 100% of what's on that list. That's what most of us seem to do with our kids, unless you just got one of those greedy kids that gives you like a five-page list with footnotes at the bottom or anything like that. But if you have a normal kid that just gives you a list with five to ten things on or whatever, most of us as parents, you know, we try to make all that come true. And, and, uh, and, and then when we were kids, we tried to make all that, you know, we, we usually got what we asked for and all that kind of stuff, and, and so, um, but, but if you look, think back to your past when you were a kid or, or even as an adult, probably a lot of times the, the gifts that we appreciated the most were ones maybe that you didn't even ask for, or, or that you, you just didn't see coming, and something happened, and it, and it surprised you, and we really appreciated those. I think about, I love to watch on TV, and you're probably like me, when they have these deals where soldiers who've been over in, in Iraq or Afghanistan, they get to come home and they'll do this deal like that. They do it like at football games and stuff where there's the, the, the husband of the soldier or the wife of the soldier and the kids and they're standing out there and they don't have any idea what's about to happen and all of a sudden they turn around and there they are and everybody's crying and I'm sitting at home and I'm crying. I don't even know these people. And, because it's the unexpected part of it that gets us excited that, 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 that makes it uh, extra special special when, when that happens. Well, we're going to talk about the coming of Jesus and how in so many ways it was unexpected. And, uh, and, and we're going to begin by reading uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn to the book of Luke. That's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And uh, all, of those, all of those first four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call those the Gospels. What does gospel mean? Good news? Good Y'all ought to say that a little bit louder if it was really good news, but that's okay. I'll let you slip on that right now. But uh, the gospel, it means good news. And so the first four books of the Bible, we call those the gospels because it tells the story of Jesus' life. And if you're, if you're at home and you think, man, I want to read the, the, the traditional Christmas stuff and to your family, the beginning of Matthew and the beginning of Luke. I'm just telling you now. Go ahead and write that on your notes. That's what you need to do. So Christmas Eve or whenever you want to do that, those are the two you need to look at, the beginning of Matthew and the beginning of Luke. And they tell the story of the shepherds and the wise men and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to look at one of those uh, stories that, that we like to read so much this time of year, Luke 1:26, about when Mary found out for the first time that she was about to be the mother of, of Jesus, the mother of God in the flesh. So look at this, Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, 
since I am a virgin. By the way, let me just stop right here. This is not what we're going to talk about today, but as I was doing some research on this um, passage of Scripture and stuff, I came across some dude uh, on the Internet who's written something about how uh, the virgin birth really wasn't a virgin birth. And, uh, and because in the Jewish days that any woman who was a young woman uh, could be called a virgin, whether she was or she was not really a virgin, uh, which I, let me tell you why that's so ridiculous. Um, if Mary asked the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Either that means she's telling the truth and she really was a virgin or She's too stupid to know how babies come into the world, and even though she's an older lady. And I don't believe that was true of Mary. I think that this, what the Scripture says is true when it says she was a virgin. She really was a virgin. And the way that Jesus came into the earth had nothing to do with Joseph, his earthly daddy, but everything to do with God, the Heavenly Father. All right, so let me just, just jump on that just for a second. Now let's move on. Verse, and I know the kids are in here today. Parents, just talk about that when you get home however you want to, all right? Um, but it's in the scripture. It's a good word. All right. Verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy one to be born will be called the son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. That's a great, if you want to memorize a great short verse to kind of get you excited about life, if you say you have a hard time memorizing scripture, Luke 137, for nothing is impossible with God. Put that in your brain and say that every morning when you get up. Then verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Now, as you read that scripture, as we read that, um, it's obvious to me that, that one of the kind of... Um, things that you see in there is that there's shock and there's uh, confusion and there's this was not expected when 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 the angel showed up at Mary's house that night and began to talk to her this was not part of the plan that she had for her life she was engaged to be married to Joseph a hard-working carpenter very well respected and people were excited for her and and uh, the marriage was some somewhere down the road that was going to take place and and what she did not expect is that she was going to go to that wedding and already be pregnant when she showed up, and that she was not even going to be pregnant with the, the, the baby of the man she's marrying, but she's going to be pregnant with God's baby. And then not only that is she's going to give birth to this baby, and now it's going to be her responsibility to raise God, to, to take care of God in her house. And, and teach God how to walk and to eat and to, and to do all the things that we teach our children to do. This was not part of her life plan. This was extremely unexpected. And there's something that I noticed in this scripture when I read it, and, and, uh, and, and, I, and I loved it because I, it's a truth that goes throughout scripture. And the first thing that I, I think we ought to notice about this is this. God blesses faithfulness. God blesses faithfulness. The, the language that you see in this passage of Scripture is a language of blessing. Look at verse 28. It says there in, in 128, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Then verse 30, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. These are words of blessing that God was giving to Mary. Even though this was a very unexpected thing in her life, this was a blessing that was happening to her. And, and the idea of blessing is something that, you know, we love, we, we want to be blessed, don't we? 
I mean, that's one of the things that if you're a, I was going to say if you're a Christian, but I mean, shoot, even if you're not a Christian, a lot of times we, people that don't, don't even really follow Jesus, they'll still ask God to bless them. And, and I think that blessing is something that we just, we think we want all the time. And so we ask God to bless our food. And, and before we go on trips, we ask God to bless us and give us safe travel. And, and you do weddings and the pastor stands up there and he asks God to bless the marriage. And, and we ask God to bless us financially. And we just ask God for blessings all the time. Blessings are something that, that, that we really like and that, that we really want more of. And the thing that, that you need to know is that God blesses faithfulness. But, but what I want you to know even above that is the ultimate reason that God blesses is because he chooses to bless. Okay, God can do whatever he wants. That's one of the things we need to understand. God is, is uh, here's another theological word, two free theology lessons here today. Another free theological word, God is sovereign. And what sovereign means is he is all-powerful and can do whatever he wants to do. And, and so the, the, the main reason that Mary was blessed was because God chose to bless her by allowing her to be the mother of Jesus. That was the main reason she was blessed, because God chose to bless her. But here's what you need to understand, is that uh, it's a concept that you find all through Scripture, that yes, the blessing ultimately comes from God, but God blesses those who are faithful to Him. He didn't bless everybody by allowing them to be the mother of Jesus. But you can be guaranteed that the reason Mary was chosen over some other people is because there were other people who were not faithful and they weren't going to be blessed by being the mother of Jesus. Mary was blessed because God chose her, but one of the reasons he chose her was because she had been faithful. You see, the, the verse there in verse 30 where it says, you have found favor with God, the, the word found is a verb. And so what that means is, is that there's something, there was some action that Mary had done. There was, a, there was a, a, a journey that she had taken that she was searching and looking to, to, to be favorable in her lifestyle towards God. And the angel says to her, you've done it. You found it. You have found favor with God. You have, you have been faithful to him day after day. And because of your faithfulness, God has chosen you to bless you by allowing you to be the father of his son Jesus when he comes to earth. There, there's, a, there's another person in that uh, passage of scripture who was also blessed, Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, her, her relative. And, and if, if you look back at Luke chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, look what it says about Elizabeth. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division, division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Now how does it describe Elizabeth and her husband? Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Once again, Elizabeth was blessed. Why was she blessed? One of the reasons why God chose her, but he chose her above others because she was faithful. She had been faithful to the teachings of God, said that she was upright and that she was blameless. That Joseph, Joseph was going to be the father of Jesus. Now, Mary was, was uh, chosen because she was being faithful to him. What about Joseph? Well, Matthew 1.19, it describes Joseph as a righteous man because her husband was a righteous man. So Joseph, again, he was faithful to what God wanted to do. See, God chooses to bless us based on what he wants to do but when we choose to be faithful to God we are putting ourselves in a position to be blessed when we lived in New Orleans um, 
went to, Sherry and I went to seminary in New Orleans and lived there for almost three years. Great place to live uh, and, and, and visit, great place to visit, not the best place to live, but we enjoyed our time there. But it's like living on Mars or something. It's a totally different, nothing, nowhere else like it that I've ever been. And, uh, and in, in New Orleans, they have Mardi Gras every year. You've probably heard of it. And, uh, and you know, for, for those of you that, that don't understand what Mardi Gras is, the day before Ash Wednesday, it's called Mardi Gras, which means Fat Tuesday. But the Mardi Gras season starts a long time before that one day. And so for several weeks before, you have parades, and you have all this kind of stuff going on. And so we would go to these Mardi Gras parades. And, and I know there's going to be a parade today in downtown Greer, and, and that's going to be fun and all that kind of stuff. But, man, the Mardi Gras parades make what goes on around here look like, you know, a yard sale or something. It was just they, these Mardi Gras parades were huge, these giant floats and, and all these people. And they throw stuff to you, right? They throw beads, and they throw these plastic coins that they call doubloons. They throw those out, and sometimes they throw even bigger toys and that kind of stuff. And, and so we would go to these parades, and we didn't have any kids yet, but we'd go, and we'd be yelling for them to throw stuff to us. Well, we had friends. Um, our friends, they live in Orlando now, John and Annette Marks. And John and Annette had two little girls, and uh, Lindsay and Jamie. And Lindsay and Jamie were, like, separated uh, age-wise by, like, 11 months or 13 months. They were really close in age. They weren't twins, but they looked so much alike, and they were about the same size, and Annette would always dress them the same. You know how y'all ladies like to make sure your girls look so cute, and so Lin, uh, Lindsay and Jamie always had matching little you know, things on and that kind of stuff, and people thought they were twins. Well, I, we went to, a, uh, went to a parade one time, and, and we got there, and when we got there, man, there were people that had been already there scouting out on the street, and they had ladders, like eight-foot ladders with seats on the top, for their kids to sit up on top so they'd be in the best position to get the stuff. Well, we didn't bring ladders, and we wanted Lindsay and Jamie to get lots of stuff. So what John and I did is I put one girl on my shoulders, he put one on his shoulders, and we'd run up to the floats and say, hey, throw stuff to the twins, you know, and everybody, everybody loves twins, and so they'd be just loading them up with all this stuff. And, and what we were doing is, now we were lying, all right, and I probably didn't confess that later, but I needed to. But anyway, but... I mean, it was just beads. It's no big deal. But anyway, um, just kidding, kids. Lying is always wrong. So, um, but so so. But what we were doing is we were putting ourselves in position to get the stuff. We, if if we had just stayed back where we where we normally were going to stand, I mean, Lindsay and Jamie were just tiny little things. They wouldn't have gotten any of the good stuff. So we had to put them in a position to get the good stuff. And when you are faithful to God. When, when you read the scripture and you don't just read it, but you try to live by it, and it's day in and it's day out, when you live faithfully in, in, in obedience to what he has commanded, you are putting yourself in a position to be blessed. See, faithfulness is the fertile soil where blessings grow. Faithfulness is the fertile soil where blessings grow. Write that down. That's good stuff. You need to write that down, so remember that. Faithfulness is the fertile soil where blessings grow grow because you put yourself in a position to be blessed when you're faithful to him now if i focus on that too much longer some of you are already going in a bad place in your mind let me tell you where you're going some of you right now because when you hear okay cliff said that god blesses faithfulness and so that means if i'm faithful then i'm going to get all the stuff i want see we we want to make this into a formula where Here's, here's kind of what we want to do, I think. 
when we hear God blesses faithfulness, we think, okay, um, probably need to do all the Ten Commandments. So let me find where those are in the Bible. And you'll, you, don't, you don't have any idea. And you'll come down and like ask me after the service, hey, where's the Ten Commandments? Or you'll ask Donnie. And then we'll tell you where that is. It's in Exodus. And, and so you'll go home and you'll read the Ten Commandments. You'll think, okay, got to do, all right, don't kill anybody. I got that one under control. Uh, you know, and you start going through all that stuff and because you wanna, you're going to be faithful, right? You're going to do what God says so that you'll be blessed. And, and, then, and then you might even get even really crazy and say, hey, I probably ought to go a little further. And I might even, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe I ought to start giving some money away. I know that's crazy. But if this is about being blessed and being faithful, I'm, I'm going to start giving some money to the church. And, and, and so you start doing that, and then you say, I, I probably better help old ladies any chance I get and, and uh, maybe take in a stray dog or two. And so we, you start wanting to do all this stuff, and the reason you're doing that is because you think, okay, God blesses faithfulness. So I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to do all this stuff, and then one day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to walk outside, and there's going to be a brand new Escalade sitting out there in my driveway. It's just the way it's going to work. And, and so what we have to be careful of is that when we hear the, hear the biblical truth that God blesses faithfulness, we've got to be careful that we don't jump into a, a health and wealth theology or a, or a name it and claim it theology. You've probably seen TV preachers that talk about that. They say, the reason you're don't, you can't pay your power bill is you don't have faith. And if you have faith, you'll send me $1,000. And then God will bless you the next day with 10000 because he does everything tenfold and all this kind of stuff. And you'll, and you'll fall into that kind of health and wealth, name it and claim it theology. But here's what you need to understand about blessings. When I say that God blesses faithfulness, it's not always about money. You know, Mary and Joseph, they were, it was obvious they were blessed. God said, you're highly favored. You have found favor with God. There's no indication in Scripture that, that by doing that, Mary and Joseph got a bigger house or a nicer donkey to ride or better tools for his carpentry shop. There's no evidence of that at all. In fact, they were still pretty poor. They were just regular people. Joseph was a working man that had to go out every day, and if he was going to make money, he was going to have to build cabinets for somebody. He, was, he didn't have a bunch of extra stuff. But the scripture says they were blessed, that they had found favor with God. See, blessings are not always about finances. Blessings are not always about success. Blessings are not even always about ease and comfort. Do you think it was easy being the mother of Jesus? You think it was easy for Mary to, to raise this child and know that one day he was going to sacrifice his life and to watch him be crucified on the cross? And we know from reading the book of John that Mary was present at the time Jesus was crucified. She was watching her son being crucified. Do you think that was easy? So blessings are not about an easy life. They're not about a financially secure life. And, and they're not about a successful life. But I'll tell you what blessings are about. Blessings are about us having a part in the work of God. Blessings are about God being able to use you to make an impact in somebody's life. That's what it means to be blessed by God. When, when, when Mary uh, found out that she was going to be the mother of Jesus, what, what she was really doing was she was sacrificing herself for the good of other people. She had taken on a task. God blessed her and said, I'm blessing you by giving you one of the hardest jobs in the world so everyone else can benefit from it. Now, she got some benefits as well. She got to experience, no, no one else got the ability to, to be the mother of Jesus, which that must have been an amazing thing. 
But she had to sacrifice so much to do that. But for her, being blessed was not about what she would receive. It was about what, the, what she was going to be able to do for others. And see, that's what being blessed is. Being blessed isn't about what God can do for us. It's about what God can do through us. Being blessed isn't about what God can do for us. It's about, being, about what God can do through us. And that's one of, the, that's one of the, the great teachings, I think, of Christmas that we miss because so much of Christmas is about what we're going to get and what we're going to receive. But what Christmas was really about is for, it was what Jesus said, what I'm going to come and I'm going to do and I'm going to allow you to do for others now. When you came in today, we gave everybody a little blue bracelet. And uh, what is, look, read on there, those of you that can read, what does it say? Tell me out loud. Tell my story. And according to Chris, this is not embossed because embossed would be that it went inside. This is what you call debossed is what he said. So I don't know if he's just making that up to mess with me or not. But, um, but we've got these debossed bracelets that say tell my story. Now why did we do that? One of the things we talk about here at this, at this church all the time is that we want all of us, me included, our elders, our staff, all of you, that we need to be telling our story to the people we already know about what Jesus has done for us. We're not going to have a, a giant evangelism strategy where we teach all of you to ask certain questions. We think the best way to, to tell people about Jesus is for you to go out and you to, there's a guy you work with, a lady you work with, there's a neighbor, and you just say, listen, here's what Jesus has done for me. You tell your story to your people. And so we gave you these bracelets to say, tell my story, to remind you that, that what, what we need to be doing by the, because we've been blessed by God is we need to be out there doing his work. We need to be telling our story to people. And by the way, let me tell you this too. We gave you these so that you'll wear them and that uh, you'll be reminded, you'll look down at it and say, oh yeah, need to be doing that and be praying about that. And also maybe that someone would see it and ask you about it. If you, if you know, if you absolutely know you're going to take this home and not wear it or that you're, you're going to, you know, you don't want to tell your story, um, we, what we'd like for you to do is just when you leave, no, one, there's no questions asked, nobody's going to sneer at you or anything, just take it off and put it on the, the middle table when you leave because we're going to save these and give them out again another time. And what we don't want is this to go home and get stuck in your drawer somewhere or ride around in your truck. But we want you to really be able to use it. And, and the reason we're doing that is, is because we want to be reminding ourselves and reminding you that blessings that we can receive from this gift that we've gotten from Jesus is, is not about what we get, but it's about what we get to participate in, what we get to do for him. See, the second thing I want you to know today, and, and, it's, the, and it's the main overall thing that we can't forget about Christmas, and that is this. It's simple, but it's so true, and that is this. The gift was Jesus. The gift was Jesus. Now, I said it was an unexpected gift, and I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. But the gift was Jesus. See, the greatest thing that happened to Mary, the greatest thing that happened to Joseph, the greatest thing that happened to Elizabeth was that they got to meet Jesus. They got to know him. They got to spend time with him. They got to experience him. And here's the truth is that you and I, we get to do that same thing today. Now, we get so caught up into other things, we get so caught up into what Jesus can do for us that we forget that the gift is actually just Him. 
one of my favorite children in all the world, um, uh, the other day she was at her school and they were singing songs and it was Christmas time and, and they were singing a song that was about Jesus. And this is just a little girl who everything to her is exciting. And, uh, you know, you, you hang around with her and you are never bored for a minute. And, um, and so they're singing and she said, asked her teacher, said, is that song about Jesus? And the teacher said, yes, it's about Jesus. She said, oh, wow, he's my favorite guy. I love that. Because and what's so funny is we think that's so cute, but that's the kind of way, that's, that's the same way we should live our life. We should live our life with that same kind of wonder that, that it's so, to a, to a three or four-year-old, it's so exciting. It shouldn't be any less exciting to a 42-year-old that Jesus, because of all that he's done for us and what he came into the earth to do, I should be just as excited as she is about who Jesus is. And not just about what Jesus can do for me, but just about him. Just about him by itself. The gift was Jesus. And the thing about any gift is, is a gift has to be received. And uh, you, right now, or I say right now, maybe not, maybe, maybe you hadn't gotten to this yet, so I don't want to put pressure on you, but chances are you've got a Christmas tree up at your house and maybe it's already got some gifts underneath it right now. Got names, you know, to so-and-so from you and, and you're all excited about it and, and you're going to give that to somebody and they're going to open it up and it's going to be great People are going to be, you know, when I was a kid, I remember we used to go to my grandparents' house in Newberry, and it'd be me and my sister and my parents and my, my aunt and uncle and their three kids, and, and we didn't do, back then, we didn't do this deal where it's like, okay, let's everybody open a, one gift at a time, and we'll all look at it. It was like, hey, you know, throwing out gifts, people are ripping stuff open, and I mean, it, it, lasted, it lasted about seven minutes, and there's paper flying and all this kind of stuff. And then when you got done, it was like, hey, what'd you get? And they're all comparing. It was so much fun. It was just over in a heartbeat, and it was, it was awesome. And, uh, but, but the thing about that was all those gifts had to be received by somebody. And when we got done, there was nothing left under the tree. There was nothing still sitting there with someone's name unopened. Every single gift was received. Jesus is the gift, and you have to receive him. And maybe you're here today, and you're new to this whole thing, and you need to receive Jesus for the very first time. And, and, and you need to just open up your life and say, I need you. I need you to, to forgive me of my sin, and I need to receive you for the first time. But then there's others of you here that, that you're hearing me talk about that and you're thinking, oh man, that doesn't apply to me. I did that a long time ago. You're right. Receiving him for the first time only happens once. But the rest of you here, and me included, we need to be sure that we receive Jesus day after day after day. Because the gift of Jesus, he wants to do something in your life today that he didn't do yesterday. And he wants to do something in your life tomorrow that he didn't do today. And we have to receive that gift over and over and over again. You know, the thing that I think is so interesting about the coming of Jesus into the world, and every time I read the, the Christmas story, I always think about this. You know who missed it? You know who didn't, didn't see it because it was unexpected to them? Who missed it were the religious people. They missed it. The people who understood that Jesus was coming to the world were people like shepherds and, and, and you know, people like that. The religious people, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the temple rulers and all that stuff, they completely miss it. Now, why did they miss it? 
because they were expecting something else. Here, here's, here's a little history lesson, whether you want it or not. I hope you do, but here's a little history lesson. 75 years before Jesus was born, 75 years before Jesus was born, something happened in Israel that began to shift things. A new ruler came into power, and he wasn't from the line of David, okay? Remember, that was one of the big things about Jesus. Is, is he, there was a direct line from King David all those years before all the way to Jesus. And so it was, you know, David's son, and then his son, and then his son, and then his son, and then all the way went down until you got to Jesus. And so all the, all the prophecies and everything else about Jesus in, in the Old Testament, it talked about this guy's going to come from the line of David, a root of Jesse, and all this kind of stuff. Well, 75 years before Jesus was born, a new ruler came into power who was not from the line of David, and this ruler began to move Israel away culturally and politically away from their traditions began to move them away from what God wanted them to be. So when that happened, what did the Pharisees do? Well, the Pharisees were already around. Well, the Pharisees, man, they began to teach against that stuff. And they started to say, this is wrong, and they were right. It was wrong. But one of the things the Pharisees started to teach 75 years before Jesus was born is they began to teach a real leader, a real leader for Israel is going to be the Messiah. He's going to come and when the Messiah comes, he's going to be from the line of David and what the Messiah is going to do, he's going to restore Israel politically back to what it should be, that we should be the most powerful nation in the world. And so the Pharisees began to teach in church about politics and not about spirituality about politics and not about what God wanted to do in people's hearts. And when they started to focus on politics 75 years before Jesus was born, people started to get really into that and they started to, to get excited about that. Then, 12 years later, 63 years before Jesus was born, um, what happened after that, what happened then is Rome came in, most powerful country in the world, and they took Israel over. So now they've been talking for 12 years, we got to get back to what God wants and we got to get back and be a political power in the world. That's what God wants for our country. And then 12 years later, Rome comes in. Now they're an occupied country. They're, they're not even on their own anymore. They're having to pay taxes to Rome and they're oppressed and they're all this bad kind of stuff. And that happened 12, uh, in 63 uh, years before Jesus was born. And so the Pharisees began to teach more and more and more and they began to talk about when the Messiah comes, what he's going to do is he's going to show up, he's going to be from the line of David, and he's going to kick all the Romans out, he's going to take over all these Gentile nations around us, and we're going to be powerful again. And that's what the religious people expected. So when Jesus showed up, he's born in a barn in a tiny town, he's a carpenter's son, he has no political aspirations, and in fact, he doesn't even want to talk about politics. And he begins to say, listen, all this stuff the Pharisees have been teaching for the last hundred years is a bunch of garbage. It's not about a political campaign. It's not about making Israel a powerful country. It's about the kingdom of God coming on earth, and it's about me doing work in your hearts. And so when that happened, here he was, the real Messiah, the one that had been talked about for thousands of years before in the Old Testament, and all the religious people missed it. And they missed it because they were expecting something else. Now listen to me really close. Don't miss this. Could it be that Jesus wants to do something in your life that's totally different than what you expect him to do? Could it be that you have been thinking, what I really need from Jesus 
is for all my bills to be paid. Or what I really need from Jesus is a new job. Or what I really need from Jesus is a better husband or a better wife. Or what I really need from Jesus is for my kids to act better. And you've got all this stuff in your mind that you think you really need for Jesus, from Jesus. But maybe that Jesus is trying day after day to do something brand new and something different in your life and you're missing out on it because you're focused on what Jesus can do for you and you're not focused on who Jesus is. That's why the religious people of the day missed it. Because they were focusing on what Jesus was going to do for them. What the Messiah was going to do. And they weren't focusing on who he was. And so when he showed up, they didn't even know it. They called him a blasphemer and tried to have him kicked out of the temple and eventually had him crucified because they missed it. See, I think that it's easy for us as followers of Jesus to, to just want what he can give us more than we want him. And so the question I would ask all of us today, including myself, is, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? If I were to tell you today, you're going to follow Jesus for the rest of your life and you're never going to make one penny more because you follow him than you would if you didn't follow him, would that be enough for you? If I told you today you're going to follow Jesus for the rest of your life and you're still going to have a lot of hardship, you're still going to get sick, you're still going to lose loved ones to cancer, you're still going to have a tough time with things, you're still going to have friends commit suicide. If I told you that and asked you, would that be enough? Is Jesus enough? See, I believe that when we follow him and we're faithful to him, he does want to bless us. And, and that he blesses us by allowing us to take part in his work. And even when we have tough times, and even when cancer comes, and even when financial hardship comes, and even when we experience those things, we still feel like we're just moving up the mountain because we're focusing on him and not on what he wants to do for us. Is Jesus enough? Every year, you have to hear some preacher talk about how we focus too much on other things during this time of year. So I feel obligated to do that now. And we do. I mean, you know, it's, and I, listen, and I love all the stuff. I, me, me and Grace the other night, we watched uh, Santa Claus is coming to town and, you know, and uh, listened to the Burgermeister sing his song and all that stuff. I love all that stuff. And, uh, and, but we, you know, we, we get focused on, but, but just imagine if it wasn't Christmas. Is Jesus enough for you if there was nothing else going on on May 15th? Is Jesus enough for you in the middle of October? You know, we, we want to talk so much about, oh, Christmas time, we get too focused on other things. I think we get too focused on other things all the time. That's just kind of what we do as human beings. And so what I would say to you today is that Jesus has, he has stuff that he wants you to, to be involved in. He has ways that he wants to use you. He wants to bless you by making you a part of his work. It's what he wants to do. And don't miss it because you're expecting something else. So my challenge to you would be during these next few days and weeks as we get closer to December 25th, make your focus on him, on who he really is. Read the scripture about him. Talk to him and quit worrying about what he's going to do. Try to pray for a week without asking him for anything. 
Try that out. Now, I know you, Cliff, God says, ask me. I know he does. I know he does. And you should. But try just for a while, instead of asking him, just to pray and talk to him. See what maybe he might want to tell you to do. I want to pray for us. And, um, and, I'm, and listen, I want you to know this too. And I, I, I feel like this just about every week, but I need to really say it today. Uh, I want you to know that this message is just as much for me as it is for you. I don't want you to feel like that, that I, I never struggle with these things. Uh, very, very, very often... Uh, I find myself just thinking well, what, what I need and what Jesus needs to do for me. And I, I do so much. God, I look at what I do. Look at how much I do for you. Shouldn't I have this and shouldn't I have that? I struggle with that. But the, the thing that Jesus is telling me and the thing that I want to tell you is that it's got to be about him. He's got to be enough. That's what this whole time of year is about. So let's pray. And if you're here today and, and uh, you need to receive Jesus for the first time, I want you to do that. And, and uh, I'm not going to pray for you. I just want you to do that in your own words and, and come and talk to me about that after the service. And those of you that are already followers of Jesus, I want you to receive him every day, what he's got to do for you, what, he, what he's got for you to do and, uh, and, just, and to be a part of his work. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for, uh, for who you are and, and for the fact that you did come to earth in the form of a, of a baby. And God, how that uh, miracle should, should never get old to us. And I know sometimes it becomes just something we're so used to that we forget how amazing it was. And So Father, I pray for my life and for the lives of everybody else in here that having a relationship with you will be enough. And God, that we would be faithful to you so that we'd be ready to receive your blessings which means we would, we would be ready to take part in your work in this world. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Christmas. And thank you for what it led to, your death on the cross and the salvation that brought us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.